Well, last week we took what I believe was a needed break from our study of Ecclesiastes and we gave our attention to the book of Proverbs uh, due to the fact that it was Father's Day and we watched as Solomon uh, challenged every person really, regardless of what the business is, regardless of what the occupation is, to not be slothful in that business. So basically it meant whatever your business is, whatever your occupation is, whatever your responsibilities are, do not be lazy. And so I tried to show us how in our roles as dads and even as moms, we have the responsibility and we have the duty and we have uh, the business of raising children who know the truth of God's Word, who understand the importance of serving the Lord, and we cannot be lazy in that process. We cannot be passive. We cannot give that responsibility to someone else and expect things to turn out well. Because Solomon said in Proverbs that for the person who is slothful in their business, they are brother to a great waster, which meant this. There is a connection there that cannot be denied that whenever we are lazy in our business, we will waste the opportunities that we have been given. And so I said last week, and I just want to say again this morning, we should have a desire to not waste the opportunity we've been given to raise our children in the way that they should go. And even if our kids are out of the house, we should still make great effort to be the influence in their lives that we're able to be. So many times, I don't want to re-preach last week's message, I really don't, but so many times we reach a point where we think, well, we don't have any more influence and there's nothing else that I can say. They're not going to listen. You and I still have the ability to have influence on our kids, even as they grow, even as they mature, and and I want you to know that you can still have influence in the lives of your children, no matter what stage of life they're in, all right? So that was last week. This morning, we're getting back to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. As we do, I'm going to share some things that the majority of you can identify with, that most of you can relate to. I'm going to share with you a little bit about my childhood and my teenage years. And again, most of you will be able to say, yep, I remember something like that. That sounds very familiar. Been there, done that. And so I'm going to begin by saying this, that growing up in our house, in our living room, we had a set of bookshelves. And on those bookshelves, we had a complete set of the Encyclopedia Britannica. All right, and so a massive set of encyclopedias there in the living room. And you know what it's like. Every once in a while you would have a question. Every once in a while there would be some kind of a debate that took place. And so if you wanted the ultimate source of authority on a subject, you went to the encyclopedia and you hoped it had that topic in there and you hoped it had the information you were looking for. So that was a source of information for me, at least, as a child. And again, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. As I grew up and got a little bit older and going to school, we had these things called research papers or term papers that had to be written. Do you remember those? Certainly you do. And if your schooling was anything like mine, you had to have a certain number of resources to document the information that you were presenting in this particular paper. So if you were like me, here's what you did. You went to the library, you found every book that you could on that particular subject, you checked it out, you went home, and you tried to find the information pertaining to the subject you were writing about, and then you would take them back to the library at whatever time. 
Then, in their day, in our day, you know, those old people's day, uh, if you wanted to be aware of what was going on in the world, what did you have to do? Well, you had to watch a certain news broadcast, right? Or you had to subscribe to the morning paper, or if you had a job where you could listen to the radio, you might get updates through the radio. And so if you look back 20, 25, 30 years ago and beyond, here is what we remember and here is what we realize, that information could sometimes be limited and information could sometimes be hard to come by. Would you agree? And so to an extent, there was somewhat of a justification for a measure of unawareness or ignorance on certain things. Would you agree? I mean, if your encyclopedia didn't tell you the information you were wanting to know about whatever subject, you could honestly say, I don't know and I don't have the resources available to me to find that out right now. And you might go to the library, and if somebody else had already checked that book out, then, then what were you to do? You were just supposed to hope that maybe it came back before your report was due. And so there was a time and there was a day and there was an age where Again, if there was some unawareness or some ignorance to what was taking place or going on, it was justified. But compare that to today. And here's what you realize. There is no excuse whatsoever for ignorance on the part of any of us. Would you agree? Within our hands, most of us hold the resources necessary to find out almost anything we want to find out. All you have to do is Google it, and within a matter of a few seconds, you'll have more information provided for you than you really care to go through. And, and if you want to, if you want to figure things out, you can Google it, and, and, or YouTube it, rather, and, and pull up videos on how to do certain things. And, and we've got media available to us at all times giving us the news that they believe is important. But again, the, the bottom line and the principle that I want us to consider is this is really there's no excuse for you and I to be ignorant unless we choose to be ignorant. And, and that's not an insult, it's just a statement of fact that if I don't want to know what's going on or if I don't know what's going on, it's because I have chosen to not make myself aware of the information that is available. Now, we'll get back to this in several minutes, and I'm going to ask you this morning to please give the message time to develop, all right? Because in a few moments, I'm going to say some things, and you might, in your mind, immediately say, well, that's not right. Well, just give it a minute, okay? My doctrine may not be off like you think it is, okay? Just be patient. That's all I'm asking, and I think you'll understand where this is headed. This morning, we're going to be in chapter 10, of course, in verse number 10. And as you notice that very first statement in verse number 10, here is what Solomon says. He says, or writes, if the iron be blunt. If the iron be blunt. What does it mean when Solomon speaks of an iron that is blunt? Well, most scholars are unanimous in this position or in this opinion that whenever Solomon is writing of the iron that is blunt, he is writing of an axe head. All right, he is writing of an axe head, and all of us are pretty familiar with what an axe head is, are we not? 
All right, so we know what an axe head is. And if we've been around any at all and we've given any attention to what is usually done with an axe head, then here is what we know, though Solomon did not spell it out, is that generally speaking, an axe is used for the purpose of cutting down a tree or splitting logs, things of that nature, correct? You could obviously use an axe for other things, but more times than not, when the axe is in the hand of an individual, it's going to be used to cut down a tree, to, to split logs, but it's going to be something related to that kind of work. Would we agree? All right. So he speaks of an axe. We understand what an axe is. And he says that it is possible for the iron or for the axe to be blunt. Well, does that mean it's outspoken and just tells you what it thinks? Well, of course not. That would be ridiculous. So what does it mean when it says that the iron be blunt? Well, it means this, for it to be dull. For it to be dull. How many of us have ever worked with a dull axe? I have. I have certainly worked with a dull axe. I've got a couple of them at the house, and they stay dull. And so as a result of this, here is what Solomon says, If the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge. What does it mean to wet the edge? Well, it means this. It means to sharpen the edge of the axe. So here's what Solomon reminds us of. And again, this is fairly common knowledge, and and anyone could understand this, that you can have an axe. It can be blunt or it can be dull, but you can also wet the edge or you can sharpen the edge, and that is something that some people choose to do. Do they not? But see, Solomon's not talking about the person who does wet the edge or sharpen the edge of the axe. He is referring to people like me who never do such a thing. See, here's what he says in verse number 10. He said, if the iron be blunt and he, that being Kyle, do not wet the edge. See, I've got a couple of axes at the house, and and I never think about how sharp they are. Then I go outside occasionally from time to time to take care of a limb, whatever it may be, and I get the axe, and I begin to use it, and it's not sharp. It is very dull. It is very blunt. But I'm the person that Solomon is writing about. I never take the time to wet the edge or to sharpen it. So notice what Solomon said next. Then must he put to more strength. Then must he put to more strength. I think most of us can figure out what that means, correct? He is saying this, that if a person is wanting to cut down a tree or do some kind of woodwork that would involve an axe, though he could sharpen the axe if he chooses not to, Here is what he or she must do. They must put forth more strength. They're going to have to put forth more energy. This is going to take many more strokes of the axe. This is going to require far more effort of the person or on the person of the one who is doing the work. Now, as Solomon makes this statement, this is very important that we understand this. 
Solomon did not say that if the edge of the axe is not sharpened, that the tree or the logs or the wood cannot be taken care of. But what he said is this, is you will have to use more effort and more energy. It will require more on your part to get it done. Most of us, if we've ever dealt with an axe, we know that to be true. We pick up the axe, we go to swing, we find out that it's dull, but we're in a hurry or we're just too stubborn. We don't want to take the time. So what do we do? We just keep swinging. We just keep swinging. We just keep swinging. We swing a little bit harder. We swing a little bit harder. We do do it just over and over and over again. And we finally get it done. But we're exhausted. And we're worn out. Now, Solomon doesn't mention this, okay? He doesn't mention this. I understand this. So it's somewhat me reading into this and between the lines. But, but if you think about it, Solomon implies this, that if you would sharpen the blade, guess what? It won't require as much effort. It's going to be easier. Solomon said, if the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, he doesn't sharpen it, then must he put to more strength. He's going to have to work harder if he's not going to sharpen it. So obviously, would it not be true that the opposite would then be true? That if the person would just sharpen the axe, it would make the entire process easier? It makes sense. But at the same time, if we're just going to use some common sense in evaluating the words that Solomon used, we've also got to agree with this, that Solomon did not say, hey, it'll be easy then. Because it still requires work, does it not? I mean, I I don't care how sharp the axe is. If you've got a tree stump to go through, you're still going to have to work. You're still going to have to swing. You're still going to have to flail. You're still going to be sweating at the end of the process. You may have some blisters on your hands. It is still going to require work, but the truth of it that cannot be denied is this. It will be easier than if you do this without wetting or sharpening the edge. Now, as Solomon writes these words, Is he concerned about the men in the logging industry of their day? That's not what he's concerned himself with, right? He's not saying, my goodness, there are guys out there and they're probably not smart enough to know to wet the edge of the axe. And so I'm going to tell them this. That's not what he's doing. What is he doing? He is trying to to paint a picture in their minds of something that they would have understood so that Solomon could then move them to a spiritual truth that they would have needed and that we can benefit from this morning. So he says in verse number 10, If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. But, what does that mean? Well, it means we're about to transition into a different thought. But he says wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Well, what is wisdom? We should know what wisdom is by now. Wisdom is skill. It is discernment. It is intellect. It's the ability to make good and right decisions. 
Okay, so this is a, a very simple definition of what wisdom is. It is skill, it is discernment, it is, it is uh, intellect, and it's helping you to guide you through life to make good and right decisions. And so he said, here is what wisdom will do. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Oh, it's profitable to direct? Yes, it is profitable to direct. So what do these words mean, profitable to direct? Well, you might think direct is talking about direction, and it is, but it's talking about to direct one into a path of success. Into a path of success. Because really, if you think about it, if wisdom is skill and intellect and discernment, it really wouldn't lead you down a path of failure. I mean, all we got to do is think about this and, and say 2 plus 2 equals 4. All right, if I use wisdom, I'll not become a failure. If I'll use wisdom, then here's what it'll do. It'll help me succeed in life. So he says in verse number 10 that, now listen, cutting down a tree with a dull axe, it's going to require more work of you. But he says wisdom is profitable to direction towards success. So what that means then is this, is that wisdom will serve as an aid and excelling a person to success. Wisdom helps aid people to be successful. Not a failure. So when wisdom is applied, guess what that will eventually produce? Success. Where wisdom is not applied, what will it produce? Well, it will produce failure. Now, if Solomon says that wisdom is profitable or advantageous or, or helps and excels and aids in the, in the pursuit of success, then the question must be asked, what is success? What is success? Well, most of us know what success is identified by as most people or by most people uh, in America, do we not? Success is all about money. Once you have obtained a certain financial position, then you are successful. Now, can that be a measure of success? Well, it could be a measure of success. I mean, I don't want to be the person personally who dies in debt owing everyone. I mean, if I can just get out of life breaking even, I'll feel pretty good about myself. But, you know, there are certain measures of, uh, of financial achievements that people would say, well, you know, financially they have succeeded, and financially they've done well, and, and we couldn't argue that. that. That's a successful accomplishment in that person's life. Some people say things like this, well, success is identified by your career. You know, if you're engaged in this type of work, this kind of, of work, then, then you are a successful individual, and, and I guess that is a, a measure of success to an extent. Amen. Would we agree? Amen. I'm just saying from the world's perspective that they would look at a position and say, oh, wow, you're in this position? Man, you're a successful person. Now, here is what we as God's people know, that you can have possession and you can have position and you can have all these different things and you can be an absolute failure in your lives. We know this. I'm not going to labor it and try to prove it to you, but we know this to be true. Some of the most miserable, frustrated, 
difficult people to be around are the people who have the position and who have the possession. Money and position and and power and authority, that, that doesn't always equal real success. So what would be some other measures of success that might be worthwhile of consideration? I think we could say something like this. One's relationship with their spouse. Uh, Could that be important? I think it could be important to consider. Because, you know, sometimes people have all the world's idea of success, but the relationship in the home isn't exactly what it's supposed to be. And, And you would look at them and say, well, shucks, that ain't exactly what I want for my life. I'm not being critical, I'm not trying to be harsh or anything of that nature, but, but wouldn't that be true that in order to, to be successful, it would sure be nice if you had a good relationship with the person you're living with till death do you part. Be kind of nice and important in my opinion. So how do you achieve that? Well, at some point you've got to start thinking about the other person more than you think about yourself. I mean, that has to happen. And at some point, you have to honor that person. At some point, you've got to respect them. At some point, you've got to love them. At some point, it, it, again, it's got to be about them and not always about you. And, and, and as that is so, I want us to think about this because I, I think sometimes we as Christians like to pretend that certain things aren't possible, though they are. So I want us to think about this. Is it possible for a person who is not saved who is not pursuing the things of God or the wisdom of God, is it possible for a man and a woman to enjoy a good marriage? The answer is yes. Probably all of us know some people who aren't really Christians, who aren't really pursuing the things of God or the wisdom of God, but if we had to be honest, we'd say, you know, they've got a pretty good relationship. Got a pretty good marriage. They they like each other. They spend time with each other. He seems happy with her. She seems happy with him. Now, we say something like this sometimes if we're not thinking. That's not possible. You can't have a happy marriage without God. Hold on. It does happen. But see, it's kind of like trying to cut down a tree with the dull axe. It's a lot more work for them than it has to be. Because, see, they're trying to do this without the aid and the power of the Holy Spirit and God in their lives. Does this make sense? It's, it's not that the tree can't be cut down. It's not that the good relationship in the marriage can't be had. But the truth of the matter is this, is for them it is going to require so much more effort because they are not taking a few simple steps that would make their lives easier. Now think about this. I don't care if you're saved or not. I don't care if you're pursuing wisdom or not. I don't care who you are. A good marriage is not something that just accidentally happens and is easy for people. Could at least the married people show some agreement with this, all right? It's not something that just, oh, well, shucks, we went the edge of our axe and we got a perfect marriage. No, it still work, is it not? But friends, 
it is so much more difficult when wisdom is not applied to the marriage because it is wisdom that is profitable to direct to make it a success. So here's the thing. If I want success in something that really matters outside of finances or a position at a job, if I want success in something like my marriage, here is what I'll do. I'll wet the axe. I'll wet the edge. I'll, I'll sharpen that thing to make it easier. So here is what I'll do. I'll pursue wisdom to make it easier rather than harder or more difficult. Well, what else matters? What else is important? Oh, I don't know. Somebody says, is this another Father's Day message? No, it's not another Father's Day message. But this is important. Where our kids are at and our relationship with them. And everybody with kids ought to at least nod their head in some kind of agreement. Is that not important? As to where our kids are at in their personal lives and their spiritual lives and the relationship that we have with them, well, of course it's important. Okay, well, if somebody don't serve God, their kids are going to end up in jail, they're going to end up on drugs, and they're going to die worthless. No, that's garbage. That's ridiculous. A lot of people who aren't saved, a lot of people who don't pursue the things of God, a lot of people who have no concern for biblical wisdom, at least intentionally, they raise some pretty good kids who are pretty good contributors to society, who are pretty respectful individuals, and they have a pretty good relationship with their parents. Now, here's the thing. It's not that it's not able to be done, but it is so much harder when you try to do it outside of the authority and the wisdom of the Word of God. Well, you people going to church, it's just easy for you all. Really? Because if it's just easy for us, then I must be doing something wrong. Because I, like you, I still have challenges with the kids. And there are still times where, where I want to say, Lord, bless them. Oh, you know, or I'm about to anoint them. You know what I'm saying? It's just, oh, they're testing me right now. Listen, it's, it's not that it's easy, but it becomes easier when you begin to apply the wisdom of the Word of God because that is what is profitable or to our advantage in the direction that leads us to success. What else matters? What else is really a measure of, of true success? I don't know. Things like benevolence and kindness and charity. Now, you can't do those things outside of God. You want to bet? There are many charitable, kind, giving individuals who really have nothing to do with the things of God. They've invested in the lives of so many people. They have impacted the lives of, of countless people, maybe even some of them more so than what some of God's people have done. Well, they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. I don't know why they're doing it. I just know this. It's possible to invest in the lives of others and to, to make a difference in the lives of others. But I would say this. It's more difficult to really do it the right way when you're not pursuing the things of God. Okay, 
what else matters? Oh, I don't know. How about a person's joy and contentment? You'll never be happy outside of Christ. I know some people who are supposedly inside of Christ who are never happy. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. We know some people, and I don't quite understand how it all works other than this. I know it takes a lot of effort on their part, and I know it is not easy. But there are some people outside of the house of God, outside of the kingdom of God, and they're fairly happy, they're fairly content, they're fairly enjoyable people to be around, again, as much sometimes as many of God's people. But how did they do that? Well, I'm telling you, it required a lot of work on their part. Well, how do I find joy? How do I find contentment? How do I find satisfaction in life? Well, I've got to work at it. Because I don't just wake up one day and say, well, shucks, I'm happy now and I'm always happy past that point. So how am I happy? How am I joyful? How do I have contentment? How do these things happen in life? How does it become an easier process for me? It becomes an easier process for me whenever I apply the wisdom of the Word of God in my life. See, here's what wisdom is for me. It is profitable to direct the wisdom of the Word of God. It does not make the process easy, but it always makes it easier. It's like the one who has the axe, who realizes, you know what, this is blunt, and I need to sharpen the edge. Sharpen the edge. What a Christian is able to do if they choose to is exercise the wisdom of God in their lives. And though it does not make their lives easy, it makes it easier than the one who is trying to do so outside the wisdom of God in their lives. Now here's what some would say, and this is why I asked for patience. Outside of the Lord, there is no such thing as success. I got it. I understand, because in the end, none of it will really matter. I, I, I understand that. Okay, so, so don't get confused and don't think I'm confused on the reality of eternity and what matters most when we stand before the Lord. I do understand what matters most. I'm just saying this, that in this life, it is possible with great work and great effort for someone to have a good marriage outside of Christ, for someone to raise good kids outside of Christ, to be charitable, to be kind, to be benevolent, to be benevolent outside of Christ, to have some joy and contentment in life. It's possible. It's just hard for them to do such a thing because outside of wisdom, it doesn't come as easy as it does for those who exercise wisdom. So all that in mind... Here's what some people say. I just don't know how to have wisdom. I mean, I just, I don't know how to, I, I just don't know what to do to have the marriage I'm supposed to have. You ever heard people say anything like that? Well, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how you and your wife do it. I don't know how you and your husband do it. I just, I don't know. Sometimes those very words are spoken by people inside the church who claim to be Christians. They say things like, I don't know how to do that. They say things like this sometimes. I don't know what to do with my kids. Boy, I just, I don't know what to do with my kids. You know, I mean, we're just having so many struggles right now. Just, I don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm so frustrated. Me and my spouse, we're just at our wits end. We, we, we have tried everything to do and we just don't know what to do. 
Well, I don't know how to be happy. You know, I'm struggling so bad with happiness. I just want happiness. I'm tired of not being happy. I'm just, I'm just so sad all the time. I'm just miserable. I just, I'm just so frustrated. I just, I, I don't know what to do. People say things like this. I, I want to be more, more benevolent. I, I want to be more kind. I, I want to be these things that really matter. I just don't know what to do. Can I just remind us of something? There was a point maybe in our lives where those excuses flew. Where maybe some of that ignorance was justifiable because of a lack of awareness and maybe a lack of exposure. You know, like maybe before you got into church and became a Christian, maybe there was a time when words like that could have been uttered and it was somewhat justifiable, the frustration that you and I were experiencing. You understand what I'm saying? But I'd like to share something with us this morning that, again, is really not meant to be offensive. It's just kind of like a black and white statement. It's kind of like the the culture that we live in today by way of information. If you want to know something, just Google it, and, friends, you can find it. Okay. It's kind of like this. If you want wisdom that will be profitable to direct, if you want wisdom that will be advantageous, that directs towards your success, whether it be marriage, kids, finances, relationships, contentment, joy, gladness, whatever it may be, do you know that all that we have to do is take advantage of the resource that has already been provided for us? I just don't know how to get my marriage on track. I just happen to have the answer. And it's not anything that I came up with, but see, the Word of God has already addressed this. Okay, sir, you you want a better relationship? Then this is what you do. Ma'am, you want a better relationship? I just, I happen to have an answer right here. We'll Google it and we'll find it in the Scripture. And if you'll start doing this, it won't make the marriage easy, but it'll make it a whole lot easier than if you keep whacking at it with a dull axe. There's no excuse for ignorance in our marriages, friends. Again, maybe in a time past, you know, there was some justifiable ignorance. But listen, we're saved. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the Word of God. The Bible tells us, okay, this is what you need to be doing. And if we'll do it, then guess what? God will do what He said He was going to do. Brother Kyle, I just don't know about my kids. I understand. There was a day when you didn't understand what to do with your kids, but... Let's just start looking in the Scripture because really at this point now, ignorance is not a justifiable excuse. We're saved. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got His Word. So we've got the answers right here. We don't have to go to a library and check it out. We don't have to buy books on child rearing. No, we've got the answers right here. And we've just got to be faithful and we've got to be dutiful and we've got to be responsible in what is you know, required of us. And, and if we'll do it, then it won't be easy. But it'll sure be easier than if you're trying to do it with a dull axe. Brother Kyle, I just keep fighting these, these struggles with my emotions. Hey, I, listen, I, I hear you. I do. I, I, listen, I, I understand. No, you don't. I might. Preacher wants to say, just shut up. I might. Because I might. I just don't know what to do. 
whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, think on these things. I tried that. No, you didn't. Not long enough anyways. If we can give our thoughts to the negative, then we can also choose to give our thoughts to the positive. The Word of God has spelled it out. The Word of God tells us what to do. Take every thought captive and say, listen, I'm not going to let that one rule my day today and, and ruin my life today. No, I'm going to take it captive. I'm going to shuffle it over here and I'm going, to, I'm going to put it to the side and I'm going to think on the things that the Bible tells me to do. Is it going to be easy? Well, of course not. It's never easy to cut down a tree, but it's a whole lot harder when you're trying to do it in your own strength and your own power than if you're doing it with the Word of God and the wisdom that's already been given to us. See, I don't care what the area of life is. The answer's already been given. I don't have to run to this source, and I don't have to run to this source, and I don't have to go over here and hope they can help me. No, the, the, the answer's already been given. And so any time my axe gets dull in any area of life, I don't have to just keep whacking at it and hope for the best. I can go to the Word of God and get the wisdom of God and get my axe head sharpened And it won't be easier, but by the grace of God, it will be easier than if I try to do it on my own strength and in my own power and my own might. I love the picture that Solomon gives us here. I really do, and I struggled with it for a while, but I love the picture. You can do it. If that's how you want to do it. If you just want to keep whacking at it, you can do it eventually. But it's going to require so much more effort on your part. You know what you ought to do? You ought to just take the time to sharpen the edge. Well, listen, child of God. If you want to work your way through it, If you want to struggle, if you want to fight, if you want to scratch and claw your way through it, you can. Or you could just seek the wisdom of God. You know, pursue the wisdom of God. It won't be easy. Ah, but it'll be so much easier. And that'll be so much more profitable and advantageous to your success in the areas of life that really matter most. And this morning, I don't know where all of us are at because there are so many areas of our personal lives we can hide on a Sunday morning. You know that, right? So we can can sit here this morning and and we can stand for the songs and, and, and we could look like we've got the sharpest axe out there. And in reality, we know what we're doing with life. We're beating it to death with a dull axe head. So in the the areas of life that matter most, you and I know, if we're honest, whether or not we're really pursuing that wisdom that is profitable to direct. Or if we're trying to go through life with our own wisdom, with our own understanding, hoping it all works out at some point in the end. I just want to encourage us. Since ignorance is no longer a valid excuse, go to where wisdom is found 
begin sharpening your life with that and let God begin working through you in whatever areas you're struggling in. You'll be so glad and I'll be so glad we did it because it makes life easier, not easy. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us to give some serious consideration to what Solomon shared in the verse this morning that we have given our attention to. And God, there may be some here this morning and they're working hard. No doubt they're working hard to make things work. But if they would just be honest, it's them trying to do it without your wisdom. God, would you help us today to see the need to pursue your wisdom so that it might be a help and an advantage to us so that we might be the success in what matters most with your help and your aid. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.